Hello and welcome to Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, I'm happy to welcome back Alana Gilmore. Uh, Alana uh, has been a coach with TEC for many, many years. Uh, She is uh, a friend of mine, someone I respect immensely, and uh, her passion for uh, for endurance sports, for athleticism, for the joy that moving your body brings is infectious. And I was excited to have her back on the show because she embodies so much of, uh, of what Endurance Mind is all about and, and many of the things that I think are so impactful about being an athlete in the first place. Um, her and I um, start with a with a very honest and fun and vulnerable conversation about um, about food and drink and what we like and what keeps us excited and passionate. Um, break down the veil of uh, of being a coach and uh, what that looks like on a daily basis. Uh, and then we move on to talk about uh, things like uh, how important uh, walking can be uh, in both our physical journey as well as mental. We talk about the importance of zone one training. Uh, we talk about strength training. Um, and, you know, the, the theme that runs through our conversation is that there is such inherent and intrinsic value in a consistent movement practice and that the real value, the thing that keeps Alana and myself connected to endurance sports and movement and continuing to to work to push uh, our athleticism and engage with our bodies is is what we get um, as a pursuit uh, of that process. The, the, The presence of mind, the mindfulness, the ability and the opportunity to check in with our body and Fitness is something that we're both passionate about and and we both value, but her and I connect in a way that allows you hopefully to see that um, fitness is a byproduct of of a consistent movement practice. Um, And in route to fitness, we're able to find so much more value. We're able to find joy. We're able to find happiness. We're able to connect with ourselves mentally and physically in a way that is that is so much more impactful than just chasing fitness. Um, so uh, please, um, you know, listen to this entire episode. Uh, again, Alana's, um, uh, Alana's, you know, opinions, voice, the language she uses um, to describe her journey as an athlete and a coach is, uh, is really... Um, it got me excited. Uh, again, it's infectious, and uh, and I hope that it will rub off on, on all of you that are listening. As a quick note, uh, we did have uh, a little bit of audio issues uh, with the recording of this podcast. So about halfway through, we lost uh, my, uh, my vocals. This is an unfortunate uh, reality of recording remote podcasts. We work really hard to bring you really high quality content, really high quality audio, but sometimes things don't work in our favor and things go wrong. So you'll notice a shift about halfway through and because we felt so strongly about the message uh, that Alana 
uh, was bringing and uh, what she had to say. We worked to, to uh, put that together in a way that hopefully is not too incoherent. Uh, you will notice that it does sound a little different as my voice uh, is gone from the second half of the podcast episode. But I did want to continue uh, or still deliver a lot of messaging uh, to make sure that uh, she was able to, um, to, to get her valuable uh, points across. So again, I apologize. Bear with us. Uh, it's not something that happens often. But from time to time, we do run into tech issues. And, um, and I just wanted to, uh, to say that up front, uh, to be honest with you guys, the listeners, I hope you can still find value in this content. And uh, again, we're always working to make sure we can bring you the highest quality podcast possible and we'll continue to do so. Um, last but not least, as always, thomasendurancecoaching.com. This is where you can find Alana's information. Um, if you want to check out her bio, um, she has been a part of our team for a long time and continu- continues to be an extremely valuable uh, member of, of our team and, and a big part of uh, how we push uh, our mission and vision forward in the endurance sports community. Um, enduranceminded.com as always you can check out the podcast listen to episodes there as well as reach out to us you scroll to the bottom of the page uh, send us a note let us know what's on your mind what resonates um, where can we help where would you like us to weigh in anything and everything uh, our community is what makes this podcast so special so please go to enduranceminded.com let us know what you think and lastly Uh, rate, subscribe, share this podcast with a friend. So on your favorite podcast platform, subscribe so that you can get updated when we release a new episode uh, every other Tuesday. Um, Please rate this podcast. Let us know what you think. Give us honest feedback um, and share it with a friend. Uh, This episode or your favorite one, send it to somebody you know. Uh, We're starting to reach out to to not only coaches and athletes, but also people in the entrepreneurial community, leadership community. Um, These these skills, these, uh, these insights are applicable to all areas of your life. And our audience is starting to reflect that. So uh, if you know anybody in those spaces that you think could benefit, please send your favorite episode to them so that they can uh, can be a part of our community as well. So uh, thanks so much. Again, uh, please bear with us while we go through a small tech bump, but I think you're still going to enjoy this episode. Alana has um, so much uh, so much great experience and insight uh, in the world of endurance sports and athleticism uh, that I don't believe my voice not being present will detract from the power of her message. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Alana Gilmore. Hey everyone, uh, before we dive into this episode, I want to take a moment to tell you about Inside Tracker. As I've talked about at length on the show, my passion is helping individuals discover the tools, resources, and relationships they need to reach their full potential. It's about more than just getting fit or being in shape for one race. It's about realizing the value and the lifetime pursuit of dedicating yourself to become the best version of you that you can be. So no matter what you love, whether it's running, riding your bike, racing, or just getting out and enjoy the great outdoors, you want to do it forever. That's where Inside Tracker can help. As a lifelong athlete who's done everything under the sun, I've gotten blood work done many, many times over the years, and it's always provided critical information. Even when I was feeling great and training hard, my blood work uncovered critical deficits 
such as low vitamin D and elevated iron. Despite how your training is going or how you're feeling, Inside Tracker helps to uncover specific, individual, and actionable insights that allow you to not only perform better, but feel better and be healthier. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside of you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then, Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way towards reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. So, endurance-minded listeners can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just visit info.insidetracker.com/endurance-minded to take advantage of 25% off of the entire Inside Tracker store. Being an athlete is about more than just completing the right workouts. So visit info.insidetracker.com/endurance-minded today to start taking a proactive approach to understanding what your body needs to perform better and live longer. Hey, Lana. Welcome to the show. Hey, Taylor. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. So it's been a while. You were on the podcast. It's been, has it been years? It's been, it's been. I feel like it's been a couple of years, perhaps. I don't, I don't recall time so well. (laughs) (laughs) You're, well, we're all getting old. I think that's a byproduct. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, so let's say we're in the, uh, we're in the third we're into the third season of the podcast, third year of the podcast. Um, and you were like one of the first. So yeah, it's definitely got to be uh, a couple of years. So wow. yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to, to reconnect. Um, you and I have had all kinds of awesome conversations about what it means to be an athlete and coach and to, to grow as an athlete and all kinds of things offline. So I think we can, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to bringing some of that to, uh, to a podcast episode that people can listen to because um, we always have super good conversations. So, um, yeah, where do you want to start? Um, well, you know, I joked with you previously, you know, always the, my mind always goes to good food and drink. So, um, yeah. you know, we could start there and how we relate that to coaching and <laughs> athleticism is yet yeah. to be seen, but it usually incorporates its way into, you know, everybody's day. Most, most of my time waking hours, uh, is spent, uh, thinking about, or in, in route to thinking about like what I'm going to eat and drink. Um, like if it's, if it's like, you know, I wake up, it's like, what am I going to have for breakfast? You know, I have breakfast and it's like, okay, you know, there's like coffee and then, it's like, okay, now I'm gonna have for a snack. And then I, you know, I like work out. I'm like, well, now, now I'm really hungry. Like, what am I gonna have for after my workout? And then, you know, and then you go through your day and you're like, well, now it's dinner time. Like we're getting close to dinner time. And, you know, so you think about your, so I feel like I just jumped from like, um, I just jumped from, from thought, like meal to meal. I'm just trying to think about like what I'm gonna, um, what's your, what's your like, um, I don't know, like what's your favorite thing to have for dinner? Huh. I will tell you what I what I historically have had for dinner mostly are big salads with like the kitchen sink in them. And mm-hmm. that is because I am not known for my cooking. 
So that is like my go-to make a huge salad. And there is tons in there, nuts, seeds, protein, you know, tons of, tons of things in there. Um, but what is my favorite thing is probably, I mean, honestly, one of my favorite dinners is I'll go with two answers is, um, like just the meat, potato, vegetable. I love that dinner. Like a yeah. good piece of meat, a really good vegetable, and potatoes. Like I love that. Yeah. Ribeye, potatoes, you know, some asparagus or artichoke or something. Those are probably my favorite. And uh and then a lot of a lot of Mexican dinners. Like I love just, you know, beans, tortillas, guacamole, making salsa, all that good stuff. Yeah. You you just described pretty much my, we're on the same page. So I love like, you know, I, I, I've heard it referred to, I don't know where I got this. And maybe this is like what the other people call it, but it's like the classic American dinner, right? It's like a, like a meat, a starch and a vegetable. Right. And I am an American and I'm like, well, I guess it's true. Like that is a delicious, like, especially when I'm feeling, um, like if I'm, if I'm like really hungry or like after, like a hard workout, like I think I'm craving like protein, iron, like, you know, and I like people that, you know, you can get that not from meat, but I'm not a vegetarian or vegan. So, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, and then we do a lot of, I've got really into, uh, I'm still into it. Um, making homemade tortillas. Um, so I really like doing like homemade, like street tacos. So making my own masa, like mixing the dough, and then pressing my like small like street style kind of corn tortillas, and then and then baking the like frying them. I got the like pan, the kamal that you fry that you cook them on, and they puff up. And I got it like wow. I like literally spent like that was my COVID project. Like I literally worked for like over a year on how to make like corn like masa like dough for making corn tortillas, and um, that sounds yeah. really amazing. I'd yeah, love to. Like, uh... Amazing. We'll do a FaceTime. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll show you. Like, um, yeah. It. So I love like yeah, like uh, like Mexican food, Latin food, tacos. We do like we do we do homemade tamales. We'll like wow. roll the the corn uh, inside the corn husks, right, and steam them and make like homemade tamales. Um, yeah, but I'll say overarchingly, I uh, I am a carbohydrate uh addict i love (laughs) carbohydrates so much and everything like when i really like every time dinner comes like i can eat like i eat fruit and vegetables salads i'll do like smoothies during the day like it's all varied and like you know tense pretty light and then like inevitably like when dinner time comes around it's like rice pasta um you know like i i really want um always like a carbohydrate um I think that's that is so from awesome. my like, I don't know. Do you, I mean, are you like, you're an endurance. I mean, you know, you have a deep history in endurance. Like, is that an endurance thing? Like, or just because, I mean, that's a primary fuel source. Like I get the, I get the science of it, but like, it is like a strong craving uh, currently, uh, like up until today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say my cravings, what I really like, a lot all the time always and it it spans all different food parts of the meal as i really like fat salt and protein so mm-hmm. like all usually 
like I'll just start with my favorite one of my favorite things in the world are scones and I don't really like like jelly beans like I'll eat them if I don't know sometimes I'll have I'll be out on the back country with friends and they have jelly beans or sour gummy things I'll eat those but those aren't my go-to's for sweets or desserts or like a breakfast it's always got to have fat not too sweet but like I'm good with savory I'm good with some sweet so like a scone would be a good example of of the kinds of foods I gravitate toward. And then same with meals, I'm usually like craving a protein and then the meal is designed around it. So then it's like, okay, now I'm gonna add an apple to it or I'm, whether it's peanut butter or a piece of meat or nut seeds or hummus, like it just has to have substance. Like that's just yeah. me. I like food and eating food and like density, fat, like fulfillment, like satiation. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Like when I eat, like I want it, like I want, I don't want to be like, I don't want to overeat, but like, I want to feel full. Like I don't, I don't want to have like a light meal. Like if I'm making a smoothie, like it's got, it's got a lot going on. Like it's like, it's gotta have know, some peanut butter, multi hundreds calories, like protein, <laughs> peanut butter, nuts, like fat, like it's got, you know, um, it's got vegetables in there, everything, but like, it's a real deal, right? Like, it's not like a green drink. Like, I don't want anybody listening to get the wrong idea. Like, it's, a, it's, it's a meal. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking about Christine Zimmerman in this conversation. It'd be fun to have her on board, like, like having her chime in. Um, yeah. I, I feel like you and I have had the conversation a lot about just like being real and you know, having the conversations with each other as coaches, with our team, with our athletes, like there is no perfect way. There, There's no such thing as perfection and that we are all like that just to, just to be real, just to, you know, as coaches, you know, what are we eating? what are we doing? How are we moving and how we talk to our athletes and what they're doing. And sometimes I think that athletes, people in general have an idea that there's an arrival, like there's a, like there's a destination, like we have to attain this perfection or as you have so well put it, this balance, which is a total myth that there is no balance. Yeah. And like, what, what are we going to find a balance? And it's supposed to last us our entire lives every day for our waking hours is I do believe a myth too. So I, I always appreciate with you, Taylor, we're just talking about food, drink. We've talked about good wines, um, good cocktails, and not to, you know, offend anybody who doesn't drink or believe in that. I just feel like we all get to have our ways and enjoy ourselves. And that that's part of just living kind of a full experience with, with everything we're doing with our athleticism, with our endeavors and, right. And bringing, I, bringing fun into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point. I think for me, like what comes to mind when you say that, and I hadn't really thought about it. Like I've said, you know, like I've connected to different parts of that, but bringing it all together is um, like, I think for me, it's, I, I really enjoy the engagement piece. Like I want to be really engaged in like what I'm doing. Like I want to, I love to experience a meal, right? Like I, I, I truly enjoy like 
spending time thinking about how to make that thing. Right. And then like, and even if it's like simple, like even, even if it's like macaroni and cheese or whatever, I'm like, how's it going to happen? Like what ingredients am I going to use? Like what's it going to, and then I, to that end, like I enjoy like the experience of pairing that with a drink. Right. Like for me, I get a lot of joy out of like wine or like different cocktails. Of course, you and I have talked about this, like, you know, it's not every night. Like I think you, you said like not drinking on school nights. Um, (laughs) Right. Like, you know, I go to bed early, like I get up early, like I want to be clear headed. I understand the science behind alcohol consumption and these types of things, but you know, there is a, there is an engagement there that is important. And I apply that to my athleticism as well. Like I really want to, I enjoy immensely being engaged in that process, right? Like what's it gonna, even the, even the shitty parts, even when it's like, oh man, like I'm pressed for time. It's hard. All the, all the, all of the struggles that everybody has, like I, that that part of it almost keeps me more engaged because I'm like, oh, now, now I have to work for it, right? Like it's almost better if it doesn't like fall in your lap, right? I think there's real value in having like some friction. I know that makes it hard, like to get it done and to make time and all the things that people have. But yeah, like, I don't know, that just came to mind when you said that. I was like, man, I really, that's like a thread for me. It's like, I, and I don't do a great job every day. Like there's times when I'm just like, hanging on by a thread right and i'm like busy and tired and sore and whatever but like i try to like show up and be really engaged and i that's where i get a lot of joy but i apply that same like intensity to most things in my life right where it's like to like whether it's a cheeseburger or training for like an ultra distance race like they're the same to me right like i'm like i'm in like let's do it um yeah you are, um, you are, and I, you know, I've, we've worked together for quite a few years now, and I, I appreciate those very things about you so much, and it spans out to our team and what we're doing, and I really connect with what you were saying about even struggles, um, kind of being in the experience and being present with it as much as you would be in something that's bringing you, you know, a real high, a real joy and also ease that concept of ease versus struggle. And that like, we don't really question when we're having great workouts or we're feeling great in the morning or our energy's high or, you know, think we're, we succeeded. We did, had a great race, but more we tend to question and struggle with when we're having these challenges and we're having lows and we're tired. Like, why am I tired? We don't usually say, why do I, why am I not tired? Why do I feel so great? We're usually saying, why, why am I so tired? But I do think that there's this concept that we're supposed to always feel good or have joy or like have ease and I really think that we are not, that is not it. That is not life. It is highs and lows. Um, and accepting that and even just embracing that sets you up for those lows. I was just talking to one of my athletes. If he's listening to this, he'll know it was with him, the conversation. And before his big race this year, we went over, you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows. 
You're going to have highs again. You're going to have more lows. The longer the race, the more highs and lows you're going to have. And he said how helpful that was to just prepare him for when it came. He remembered what we talked about. Like, this is normal. This is normal to have a low during this and to not feel so good and to navigate through that. So I really love that conversation and just that we're not, there's no, there's no perfection. There's no ease. There's no just 100% one way. So, yeah. What, what do you, like, I, I couldn't agree more. Not that my opinion matters, but I think, (laughs) um, but like the, 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 the lack of ease, the days when it is a struggle, like that's where people, that's where people really get, um, they get down on themselves or they lose momentum or consistency or confidence. The list goes on. Like what's your personally, because you've been an athlete a long time and yeah, like it's, it's full of highs and lows in life, but specific to like athleticism. So like, what's your, how do you get through the lows? Like when, when, cause I, I feel like, maybe you feel differently or like there's more, there's less easy days, right? Like I think we always, we want that. We want that narrative to be much different than it really is. We would, we, we, we think like, well, most, you know, I'll feel great most days and then I'll have a few speed bumps. I really feel like in my personal experience, as well as with athletes, it's probably the inverse, right? Like you have, Yes. You have, you, unfortunately, like you have more days where things are like, ugh, like I don't, this is this is not good. I'm tired. Life's getting the best of me. Responsibility, whatever. So, like, how do you, like, what's kept you in it? Like, let's you know, assuming saying that like most of these days are not that easy. Like, how have you stayed? How do you? What's your answer to like get through it and stay connected to it? Well, I think that that is the first point, which is those expectations that you're supposed to feel good all the time. So like Mm. you just said, understanding that you're probably going to feel not 100% most of the time. And then you're going to have those, those fleeting moments or days or weeks or races where you're just on it and everything's together and you're feeling so great. So first knowing that it's not abnormal to feel crappy or to feel tired or to not have a good workout or to have a tough day or to feel stress. And then number two is not fighting that, what we would consider a negative in our lives and not necessarily even seeing it as such a negative in our lives. So when you have that difficult day, it could be stress at work, it could be outside of your workouts, anything in life it applies to, but instead of, fighting it, resisting it and saying, oh, shoot, I feel tired. I don't want to feel tired. I, I need to feel better. I need to like go get coffee or, you know, whatever it is and change that is to, instead of fighting it, embrace it, experience it. Just like you were saying about experiencing good food, good wine, the process of making your meal, we're more easily able to embrace, or hopefully we want to We don't want to fight these good experiences, these times of feeling so great. And in the inverse, not fighting when we're having a down day, when we're having a tough time, when we're struggling. And so 
the first step of not resisting that actually eases some of that tension and difficulty. Yeah. And this is something I got from reading an incredible book and, you know, it was her, her take on it and it stuck with me for so many, so many years. Um, and the last sort of element that came up in my mind when you asked that question was, um, there's definitely a component of struggle, I would say, when it comes to our performances, let's say in this case, athletic performances, whether it's a training session or a race, a workout, is that a lot of times when we're struggling, when we're tired, it or when we're not feeling okay about what's going on with our physical performance, we need to check in to see if it's because we're comparing ourselves to others. That there's that great quote, uh, comparison is the thief of happiness. Mm. So I really think that happens to us when we're out there, even if you're not running with somebody else, let's say you're out on the trail and you look down and you see your pace and you think, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm going 13 minute miles or 15 minute miles. That's not even running. Um, but then you think, Oh, that's horrible. Like my friends can run this loop in so much faster or, what you know whatever's going through your mind what what are people going to think of me i'm a coach and i'm running so slowly and oh my gosh i'm deteriorating i'm getting old i shouldn't be a coach i shouldn't be an athlete i should never race again the mind just goes crazy and that's yeah. all about what are other people going to think or what are other people doing and then when you can quiet that and just say this is what i'm doing right now and you can tune into like the leaves crunching underneath your feet or we talked earlier today about fall colors and just the beauty around you, a bird chirping, your dogs tripping you, running, getting excited, the stream, the creek, like there's so much other stuff that really is going on. And I guess it's stepping a little bit out of your mind and just being present. So long answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I love, I've talked a lot about being present uh, on this podcast. I think it's one of the great like gifts that we get from, from a consistent movement practice is dedicated time to actually tap into that space, right? We don't, in our, most of our lives, we don't get the opportunity essentially like given to us to be present, right? It, it And I think exercise really serves as a, as a great opportunity that is in a sense kind of handed to us where, you know, your only job is to, be present, right? For your body to, to check in with yourself, to understand in that workout or in that movement, however you're engaging in that practice, um, to just, you just have to be there, right? It doesn't really serve you to be anywhere else, right? Cause you can't do anything about it, right? Like if you're like, oh man, I wonder what's going on with this email. Like, I mean, you know, I guess if you're like on a stationary train, I mean, I've certainly done it. Like you can send an email, but like, you know, the point being is it just, that you, you can't do much else other than be in that space. Right. And absolutely. And I think that there's a real, um, there's a real opportunity there. Like, I think that's one of the great, almost like side effects, right. I talk about like side effects of exercise all the time. I think, I think fitness is a side effect of exercise, right? Like that's not actually what we get from it. That's not like at the root cause or the, the, that's not why we show up for that thing. Right. Like it, it, I think, athletes say that, right? They're like, no, I want to be more fit. Like, absolutely. But in, in, in route to fitness, you get all these other things, 
right? You essentially get however many times a week you're moving or engage in a consistent movement practice, you're getting opportunities to do all these other things, right? Be present, check in with yourself, be aware, build confidence, build discipline. Um, and then, and then much further down the road, you get fitness, right? And I think that's a really, like, I love that timeline. Like it's a very, um, you know, there's a bit of like Buddhist practice. We're, we're kind of, we're, you and I are both kind of circling around this like Zen master type thing, but I think that there's a real, you know, like not, and not resisting it either. Right. Like that's that, like you have to be fluid mm-hmm. like water. Right. And you, you roll over the obstacles and I mean, easier said than done. Like I'm the first to resist, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just think there's a real, like, again, there's a real opportunity and a real, um, I think that's something like really special about like when dedicating to just being like being active, like being engaged, like we talked about, because when you're engaged, you realize like all the other things you're getting right. Versus just like just fitness. Um, yeah. I mean, I am addicted to, you know, feeling good, having fun, playing. Like I love just the idea of just having a great time, the joy, the fun, the feel good. And so I do think that um, you said it so well when you're out there moving, when you're, you know, rather than like not being there and thinking about something else, although we all do it, it's really a great opportunity to be present and be present with yourself. And I was just speaking with another athlete and she was saying, like, I don't take my phone on my dog walks. I don't, I don't, I unplug when I go out for that walk that you see, I'm unplugged, I'm present. We were talking about one of the tasks on the 21 day challenge and it was just so cool. Like that's so great that she's already doing that, that she's already there and that that's her time because I'm guilty of taking the dogs for a walk. And if, if I have my phone with me, it interrupts. So when I don't, it's a, it's a completely different experience. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I got a pretty hard rule with myself that I, no technology on like when I walk, I mean, I, you know, my, you and I share that, like we both have dogs. Like that's my, that's the time that I engage in that practice. And I actually like love to walk. I, you know, I love to like do more intense stuff as well, but I just more and more like that's such a valuable time for me. And I enjoy, like, I get a lot out of like the actual kind of, act of like seeing my dog be happy you know like i, I get exactly. a lot of joy out of that and like watching her like splash around and jump over stuff and whatever um and yeah like i used to like take my phone again like just to show again like that we're, you know unless anyone think that like you know it doesn't require effort for me to practice what i preach like i used to just take my phone and like because i was like i don't want to miss emails or like what if somebody needs me like even even like, you know, the team that we work with, I'm like, well, I don't want to like a Slack message. Like I want to make sure. And it's not a big deal to answer that thing. Like it, it actually like that's not the what I found for me is like it wasn't that like answering a message necessarily detracted from my experience in a way that was meaningful. Like I could send a message really fast and then get back to playing with my dog. It was more like for me, it was the value was in actually just having the discipline to commit to that thing and be like, no, like this thing is important and it needs, it's, 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 it's far reaching, right? Like, is it a big deal if I send an email on a walk with my dog? No. However, the discipline required to not do that 
is much more impactful. And that's where I realized I was like, oh, okay. Like it took me a while to get there, but I'd say for the last, like, I don't know, sometimes say a couple of years or year or whatever, like technology stays at home. And, I, and even like to the point where like, I very rarely will like do a podcast. I know that's a lot of people's way to like listen to podcasts and I respect that. Right. But I'm like, I have noise in my ears all day, every day. Right. Like I'm gonna, this is, like you said, it's like leaves crunching and it's whatever's happening. Um, and I think that's a big, like th- th- there's that again, like that's, that's really how I see like being an athlete. It's like, again, if we step back, like the skill sets that we develop through the pursuit of that thing are actually like what's most valuable and important. Right. And like fitness as a byproduct, this is very similar. It's like the walk is actually not what we're talking about. It's the, it's the discipline required to show up. Uh, hey everyone, uh, I recently came across a new product on the market uh, and I wanted to take a moment to share it uh, with our listeners. Uh, Access Nutrients has created a supplement designed to assist with better absorption of zinc, iron, calcium, and magnesium. Uh, this is a heavily researched and science-backed supplement that helps to break down the anti-nutrient phytate. Uh, phytate is present in things like beans, grains, nuts, and seeds, uh, any product made from these foods, uh, such as pasta, rice, chickpeas, nut butters, whole wheat flour, cereals, etc., etc. Uh, so without the enzyme, the above-mentioned micronutrients are largely unavailable for abs- absorption, leading to deficiencies. So without iron, our bodies struggle to transport oxygen. Without zinc, our body's immune system is impaired, and many enzymatic processes cannot function normally. So this enzyme has already helped a number of people that I work with uh, on the athlete side with better performance, improved energy, uh, anemia, fatigue, and other conditions. Uh, You can have a read through the research on their site for more information, but just trust me when I say that this enzyme could be a game changer uh, for many of you when it comes to optimizing your performance. Uh, I've been taking it um, for about two to three months now, and I've noticed uh, big changes in my recovery, my sleep, uh, muscular fatigue, uh, endurance, uh, my ability to fuel uh, more closely to workouts. So it really has been um, a really positive or had a positive impact on my performance. So so for all of our listeners, um, you can go to accessnutrients.org and use the code THOMASENDURANCE um, to get 25% off uh, your order. And um, I think it's going to be something that you guys really like. I encourage you to try it out. Um, it's, uh, it's a really uh, cool product. I think it would be something that's very impactful for so many athletes and so many listeners of this podcast. So again, that's accessnutrients.org, code Thomas Endurance for 25% off your order. Uh, and let us know what you think. Um, it's been something that's been exciting for me to try. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. As, you know, a long time athlete, like what, um, like what's the importance or like place that like walking holds for you? Cause I, you know, a lot of times as athletes, we're like, gotta go hard. I gotta like do a, I'm using air quotes, like do a workout. Um, and that's fine. But like, you know, I know you and I both enjoy like getting out with the dogs. So like, what's, you know, how do you like see that in relation to your, more like focused training or like dedicated workout type stuff. 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel like walking is a great subject. Um, you know, orig- originally, <laughs> you know, in the past, you know, when I was training and racing and um, had a certain mental attitude toward it all, I probably would not have put any merit to walking. But over the years as an athlete and as a coach um, and as an individual, I've really come to appreciate walking so much. And I'll just kind of go through some of the benefits or some of the reasons that I think walking is so valuable. Even the first one that comes to mind is because athletes think it's, and maybe not every athlete, I don't want to generalize or or prejudge anybody, but generally because people think it's not worthwhile is one of the reasons that I think if you don't do it now as an athlete, you should, because it's serving if only to slow you down and help you be in the present. Mm-hmm. So if you're running or always riding or always feeling like this has to be a training session, then I challenge you to actually go walking and let it be, you know, as we've talked about, brought up the Zen experience and really get in touch with that. You don't have to, that in order to achieve any benefit, you actually don't have to be pushing hard or doing a structured training session. Um, And in addition to that, even to further that, it actually is really one of the biggest health beneficial movements. So walking is healthier from research showing like walking is more healthy. People who walk or run short and easy are actually healthier than people who do these ultra events. Um, again, I'm not saying every single person, but it helps give us um, understanding, patience, willingness to put some importance on something like walking. I think it's really symbolic. In addition, I think that um, one of the best benefits of walking relates to running. And so therefore, I wouldn't say that this can't span to Nordic skiers or cyclists and other, other athletes, but it's very difficult to get a zone one run. It's very difficult to get recovery running. And so I think that it's worthwhile for a lot of runners in particular, and maybe athletes of all kinds, to see the benefit of a recovery day, an active recovery day that consists of walking. Um, And in addition, specifically to running, walking is a great cross train for running. And for those very reasons, it's a way to move your body in a very similar way format structure movement pattern that doesn't produce the same kind of stress that's more difficult to recover from as running does. So I think there's some really meaningful applications of walking in our actual training. And then I'll just finish and go back to for the pure reason of, you know, we're biased with dogs, but for the pure reason of getting out with your dog, like you said, watching them play in the water or no dog getting out and watching what's going on around you in more of a slow-mo fashion, just not only we keep talking about being present and being Zen, 
and physiologically helping take us from that over stimulated constantly in the sympathetic nervous system back down to what we're supposed to be spending most of our time in, which is the parasympathetic nervous system. So I think walking can really contribute in that way. I, I, I'm like the biggest fan right now of walking and maybe it's because I'm getting older, but I, I love it now. I was not always zened out. I'm currently still not always zened out. I would love to be always zened out. I'm going to practice being present so as much as I can to get zened out. But that being said, walking, um, this maturity is really like, that's a good, good term for what I feel like I, my opinion is about walking. And it goes back to something we were talking about earlier when you expect like, oh, we should, we should be feeling good all the time. We should be having, you know, we should be increasing our speed and, and, improving and getting stronger and fitter and faster. And I'll just specifically say like in the realm of getting faster, stronger, um, because, and as it relates to walking, I'll just say one of the things that it introduces to us is the ability to fully recover. So sleep, nutrition, fueling, rest, de-stressing, walking, giving ourselves a true active recovery day. If we're going to do an active recovery day, not a passive recovery day, you brought up mobility. And when I was able to make that shift as an athlete, I, I had the biggest realization I had ever had, which was without this recovery, I'm just going to be overtrained and feel like crap all the time when I was actually able to rest. And I'll use walking as a representation of toning it down and taking rest, um, rest days, two, two rest days in a row, including passive rest days. There's an article that just came out about, I could be wrong, but I think it was the Norwegian who just won Ironman. And if it's not him, it's another incredible athlete who just won something. And they were talking about how they every single week take two, two rest days in a row. And so my experience when I finally was able to take rest as an athlete competing, I finally felt what it was like to feel strong and have great days, especially in the beginning when I first started training and racing, I had a lot of great days. I, I, it just worked out really well. Cause I think you're a little bit more organic, but then as I got more serious into training and racing, I fell into the tendency of overtraining and so something clicked at some point after a few years of doing that, of overtraining, and it was really specifically a result of feeling for the first time in many years, recovery days, rest, and then feeling that translate into like fabulous, strong, fast, excellent, you know, high days out there training. So you know, I'll just take that whole walking theme into an, into that approach to like, yeah, you're going to have more bad days and, and there's lots of struggles and we need to expect that. And you can actually open up space for some incredible days. If you learn how to rest, recover, take care of yourself, be present, whatever that means. Yeah. I mean, I did get to an, into an overtraining stint, but more of that was when I started after I was more of a rookie, when I was doing my own thing, and so when I first started racing, 
I was doing most of my um, training by myself and I was just out Nordic skiing long days and running trails long days. And then I entered some of my first races and had a lot of success. And interestingly enough, my sessions on my own were a lot of long, easy, you know, distance just because I enjoyed it. And then when I started gaining success with racing, then I started, I joined a track team and I trained with others and I completely got overtrained, um, gained weight, got slower. I, and it wasn't until, and that goes back to that epiphany where I actually started resting. My weight came back down. My, my performance quick, you know, got back to speed. And so I've had actually a lot of luck with the easy training myself. Um, that being said, there there is a place for speed and in intensity. There's benefits to all zones on physiologically in our body. And you have to train your body fast to go fast. Like when we're really talking about speed, like you've got to train that. Um, you have to train fast to go fast. But the amount of time we think we are supposed to be spending on training hard or training fast is really so much smaller of a percentage in our overall training. And, and I like what you said about it, like programming in down weeks because and getting that feedback from our athletes too. Like I, I need some downtime or just listening to them. Hey, you know, I don't know. I just don't have it for this workout or I haven't had it this week and realizing, okay, this is, this is a down, this needs to be a down week or it's time to, to break it a little bit. Um, because yeah, you're really going to feel so much better if you honor that. I just wanted to add, you know, back to that zone one um, or zone two and less, but back to one of my favorite descriptions of zone one is guiltily easy. Like it is so easy. You think you're not doing it right and you should feel, and you feel guilty. That's zone one. And I love that description. Maybe we're in a world that's like, oh, the latest and greatest, try this. And I, I read it all the time, you know groups putting out, oh, these, these RMN athletes are doing this workout and this is what they do in the pool. And then this is what these coaches are given. And then you should really try this. And sometimes as an athlete or as a coach, I think, oh my goodness, wow, those are probably incredible workouts. Like I should be really like, I'll, I'll grab them and I'll save them and I'll apply them. And I, I, I'm in agreement with you about, you know, that, that sexy factor that one of the, that we're really we're really responding to some level of consistency and focus. And that means it's not going to be exciting and new all the time, but you're taking that same workout two by 10, three by 10 tempo. So threshold, whatever it is, and you're, you're building on the, the power range or you're building on the, the duration or the repeats, or you're keeping it the same and trying it again and seeing, have you adapted? Has your body progressed? And you and I have talked a lot about this and you've helped me um, with this a lot as a coach, which is, yeah, these workouts deliver and they deliver partially for the very reason that they're not chaos theory. They're not going to introduce something new to your body every time. There's this power of adaptation and we can't adapt if we're always changing, there's there, you know, you're not keeping things stagnant, but you're not really always changing, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, you mentioned the type of workouts you gravitated to as a coach and as an athlete. And 
back to feeling good on workouts and feeling crappy on workouts and working, training alone and training with others and comparing to others. I really do believe in the power of the fartlek workout, the natural Nova workout. And we have it on our, on our workouts um, in TEC. Like we all have these structured fartlek workouts that we give the athletes, but part of fartlek workout is natural intervals. So for example, I'm on a trail or I'm on my bike and I hit a hill and I feel good and I challenge myself to push myself as hard as I can to the top of that hill or from snow stake to snow stake, you know, on a run. And then I recover on the downhills. And then if I'm feeling it, I'll repeat it again when I'm feeling it. And I've had really great success doing that on my own. So when I'm out there and I'm going for a run and I feel good, I go with it. And then it's like, okay, I'm pushing myself right now. And I'm pushing myself for as long as it feels good. And when it doesn't feel good, I stop. So those are some of my favorite workouts. Um, the other, the other workout idea that came to my mind when we were talking about zone one guiltily easy is, you know, we're, we want to, we want to benefit. We don't want to waste our time. And I don't, I think our point is you're not ever wasting your time. It's all bringing you into something that's going to be helpful. One of my athletes just mentioned for her swimming, she said, you know, I'm always talking about getting faster and I really think I'm just going to focus on technique right now. And she's an advanced swimmer. She's an amazing swimmer, an amazing athlete. And it was just so cool to hear her say that. And that's a great way to bring zone one workouts or, or percentages of your training into zone one, or maybe zone two is to just focus on technique. Not only does it give you those easier intensities that really help your entire physiology, your aerobic endurance, is that it also gives you technique is going to take you so much farther in these technical sports, swimming, Nordic skiing, running, even your cycling. And so it was really cool to hear her say that. And I do love form work. And so that's another area to explore, to keep you into zone one is like, do your drills, do your technique work you know, do, do your warm-up drills for running. Well, and I think even taking all these components, walking, mobility, eating, you know, and, and weighting them more in our overall daily lives and programs while we're training for our sport or this race coming up, uh, you know, is, is, you just tapped into it, that's what's going to feed into longevity. So that even if you can't run for a period of time because of an injury, or you decide to change sports, you have this richer, deeper, more substantial connection to your body and to movement so that in the long term, whatever your pursuits are, a run race, a bike race, a swim race, um, walking with your grandkids, you know, whatever it is, a five, you know, whatever it is, a race across the continent. It's just, I think it helps keep that longevity. And, and I will just, yeah, compliment strength training and something that I think is endurance athletes, a couple of things that would be helpful to point out. Maybe people know, but starting at age 25, we start to lose lean muscle mass. And when we are exercising aerobically, when we are running, when we are cycling, we are doing 
catabolic activity. We are breaking muscle tissue down. It doesn't mean that we're not utilizing muscle and, and maintaining some, but we're, we're actually in a breaking down of muscle um, activity and strength training is anabolic. It's muscle building. There's some breakdown, but there's some building that follows that. In addition, if you're a walker or a runner, you're, you're doing, especially running a high impact activity. So that's helping with bone density. But if you're a swimmer or even as a cyclist, you're not doing as much impact. And so the strength training is going to feed into that bone density fulfillment, maintaining that stress against the bone and that growth um, and producing that density. So I think those are important factors for all athletes. Um, maybe, you know, maybe you don't think about it until age 26, but that's probably the latest you want to start thinking about strength training and, uh, and, and the benefits it would give you as an athlete. So I, I love your, your idea about longevity. Hey everyone, Taylor here. Uh, I just want to jump back in at the end of this episode to say thank you. Uh, I realize uh, that the last half of this particular episode was a little rocky. Again, we had some audio issues that were out of our control and we did our best to deliver this episode in a way that was still valuable. Uh, hopefully it wasn't too disruptive to your listening experience and I truly hope that you were still able to get uh, as much out of uh, Alana's experience, passion, expertise um, as uh, if the podcast would have gone off uh, without these technical issues. So uh, I just want to say thank you for sticking with us. Uh, thank you so much for your dedication, for your engagement, for being a part of this community. Uh, it means the world to me, and I look forward to seeing you next time on Endurance Minded. Thank you so much.